You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. What is it to climb as a pharmacy owner? CLIMB stands for Care, Lead, Innovate, Motivate, and Balance. Join Retail Management Solutions each month for a brand new webinar with interesting discussions on new pharmacist roles, pharmacy industry experts, and business innovators to give you insight on important pharmacy trends and the best way to grow your bottom line. The CLIMB webinar series is produced exclusively for pharmacies and provides tools that any pharmacy can use to reach and even exceed profitability and customer centricity goals. Let's listen in to the latest Climb podcast episode with Brad Jones, CEO of RMS. For those of you who don't know Terry, Terry is a, a change agent. I mean, she's a trusted leadership coach and business advisor for entrepreneurial organizations and associations across the United States. She's also a dynamic and engaging keynoter um, who inspires and aligns teams. With more than 25 years of experience uh, and over 950 executive coaching clients, Terry really is a proven leader. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here with you again, Brad. It's great to have you back. That was a lot of fun we had last month. Yes, it was. I felt invigorated. I'm intending that your viewers also felt invigorated. Yeah, we, we, we did receive a lot of positive comments about that presentation. So again, if you haven't watched it, it's worth going back and taking a look. Um, so last, last month, you and I spent a, a, a bunch of time talking about uh, leadership and the importance of training in your pharmacies. Uh, tell us a little bit about what we're about to do today. Well, today's a little bit different. Today, we're going to go back to what we started talking about last October, the business growth formula, which is a, a, a literal formula. It's a process. It's based on seven stages of growth which is determined by how many employees you have. So as we go along, I invite our viewers to think about how many employees they have in their organization to see which stage is most appropriate. And what's so cool, it's like having a crystal ball, a roadmap, and a flashlight into your future. So there's no longer a need to be thrown off course or wonder why is this happening or why did that happen? Because it's, it just works. And today we have Olivia Bentley with us who just went through an intensive process with her and, and her team. And we're going to talk about the outcomes and how the process and what she learned in the impact with her team can help others. Because leadership is, it's leadership, right? And we can learn from examples, I think, oftentimes better than reading it in a book. So uh, Olivia has graciously accepted the invitation to, to talk with us about her experience, her team's experience, and the outcome that they're getting. All right. Olivia, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Olivia Bentley is the... CEO of Amity Medical Group. Um, under her tutelage and leadership is uh, currently two medical facilities and, and soon to be three. Olivia, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you, what you got going on? Yeah, sure. So um, I was, you know, honorably, graciously voluntold to uh, do this big project of leading this team of pharmacists, medical providers, nurses. It was definitely outside of my comfort zone. So um, I, I definitely understand the growing pains of growth. Um, and so, yeah, we, we're, we're doing something very cool and different um, in the medical practice, kind of bringing far, the, the world and skills of pharmacy into a medical practice. So with that, of course, has been a tremendous growth also a lot of challenges, um, of course, because we just we just grew so fast over the past few years. Um, and that's kind of the big reason why um, I felt like this this program was so eye opening for our team. Awesome. And Olivia, share a little bit about your pharmacist. So you started with Amina in yes. pharmacy and then she did she invited you to take on this opportunity so a little bit about your your path perhaps 
Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so originally I was, you know, with Rx Clinic Pharmacy and we still, I mean, I still absolutely am part of that organization. I think it's just going to forever be in my heart, of course. I've just shifted out of the pharmacy role, but previously I was working with Amina at Rx Clinic Pharmacy, um, just kind of help helping lead their clinical services department. So we were um, working with independent pharmacy and in the, in the model that independent pharmacy could partner with independent providers and just provide services, you know, through uh, through the providers um, that really were aimed to focus on preventative care. So we were doing a lot of annual wellness visits. We were also tackling chronic disease state management by providing services like um, chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, um, behavioral health integration. So those are a bunch of different services that are eligible to Medicare patients. And we were helping the providers kind of lead those services. Um, of, of course, you know, obviously under their supervision. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what pushed me into this new, um, new adventure um, of really kind of creating, you know, this new model of care where we are all now kind of under one roof and trying to do great things for our patients. Awesome. Thank you. And so for our listeners, I want to give a, a little bit of context on the seven stages so that as they're listening, they can see where they might fit because you're stage four. So we go stage one is called startup. It's one to 10 employees. Stage two is ramp up. That's 11 to 19 employees. Olivia, when we did your first business growth formula x-ray, you guys were stage three delegation, which is 20 to 34 employees. Now you've grown exponentially and you are already stage four, pretty much as a startup which is 35 to 57 employees, and then stage five, integration, 58 to 95 employees. Stage six is strategic, 96 to 160 employees. And stage seven is visionary, 161 to 500 employees. And the model is for entrepreneurial organizations. It was created when nobody was really studying what successful entrepreneurial organizations do to create their success. That's why we can say it is that crystal ball roadmap and flashlight on how to get there because it's based on quantitative data from 650 organizations over the 1990s and was brought into a literal model. So I guess, Olivia, my, my first question is about, all right, so crystal ball, map, and flashlight. You know, what does that mean to you? Because this is the second time you've gone through the, the process with your teams. Yes. Um, well, for, for me, um, even, even having already gone through it um, and then going through it again, I, I just every single time it's uncanny how this formula truly matches exactly what you're going through. I just remember sitting there for the two days and as we were, as you were bringing up the challenges, as you were bringing up um, the things that we should be focusing on in the different stages and saying things like what you don't accomplish in one stage will always be there until you fix that problem. It was, it was just so funny because I was looking around the faces of everyone in the room and we were laughing about like just stuff that has really, <laughs> that was just so identical to exactly what the growth formula was explaining. Um, and so it was, it was funny. And at the same time, we're like, gosh, we wish we'd have paid attention to that like early on. Um, but we're, we were also glad that, you know, we kind of have something to follow now and can be more prepared instead of being very reactive. Um, I'm hopeful now that we can be more proactive about things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if with this go around with your new team, with the medical practice, what would you say were the primary pain points that when you reached out, we started talking, like what you wanted to achieve? Because I bet you there's viewers here that have similar issues because growth creates challenges and opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think, you know, before um, and kind of the main reason why we we absolutely we were like we have to do this, and it was a feeling of we have to do this. Um, I, at the time, I think myself, my the people, my direct people I was working with on on the daily, 
just felt like we were drowning <laughs> really in people issues, processes being inconsistent, just the way we were doing things before didn't couldn't match the number of people that we have or the new services that we were trying to provide. So, so this, the same tactics and strategies just weren't working anymore. Um, and it became really un unsustainable. Um, and I remember telling you, like going into the conference, I had a list of people that I thought I wanted to hire. <laughs> like I had a list of positions. I had a new org chart. Like I was ready to roll this out. And I remember we were, we had to say, okay, you're like, let's, let's wait. Let's see how it goes at the end. And then we'll see who who all we actually had to hire and at the end of that I think I remember there was really only one person that one position that truly was not fulfilled and after the conference it, I just felt such a sense of relief because people were stepping up um, I saw strengths in people I didn't really see before and I was really shocked at some of the people who I didn't think were going to step up actually did step up so yeah I think that that was kind of my big push was everyone was working hard, but also everyone was relying on me for so much. I had 15 to 20 different people reporting directly to me. So that's not sustainable at all. Not a good idea, especially if you're in stage four. Um, so yeah, I think that was, you know, that was kind of our big reason for, for coming to the growth conference. Yeah. Wait, my, my mind is going, we can talk about this or this. I or this. know. <laughs> One of the, the, the challenges that I think many people face, and you guys were right in it, is when there are frustrations or when there are perceived needs, before you get to the root cause, isn't the people that you, you need to add, it's to create the systems and the processes and identifying what, where is it maybe would we use the word broken? Was it broken or did it just need to get shored up or what would you say? I, I would say that, you know, we were all, we were all handling, I guess the situations as best we could, but I, I feel like when we did that, when we really put everything out on the table, we were able to identify what was the real problem upstream. We were putting band-aids downstream on, you know, put a, put a barrier here, put this here, put this here. And, you know, for us in the medical practice, we thought our big cash flow problem was billing issues. And that led us, so we started working backwards. Okay, what were, what were those issues really? And we realized, well, that's actually coming from the provider side. And then we kept going. And we're like, actually, it's starting at the front desk. And so I think for us, it was just, you know, so many things pointed to one particular weak point that was causing so many other problems. And so, and, you know, we had different departments kind of working in silos, I guess, as you could say. And then when we brought everyone together and went through the exercises um, and the hidden agents, and then we were, you know, just being able to really get to the root. Um, I, I don't know how, I mean, we knew that was a problem, but we realized like when we were all focusing on different things, we weren't getting as much done when we realized, okay, if we fix this roof, we can get a team to just focus on that. It will make lives, you know, easier for all these other problems. Yeah. Well, you used a really important word silos because from outside looking in, it didn't seem that you had silos going on. And by doing the deeper dive, it's like, yeah, you did. You had individuals in that, that missing alignment. Yeah. Connecting the dots to all the problems is what we did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would offer up that you already had a solid culture. Mm -hmm. Like y'all had done the work of mission, vision, values. You knew what your values. And yet there was that disconnect in that alignment and that flow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's one I remember when we went through the process of our strengths and also our challenges. Um, that that's one thing that made this easier. I would say is the solid culture, and you know the the we had definitely alignment in the values of you know at the very least the people that were there, the leadership team that was there. Um, we all had a common purpose and goals. Um, and so I think that was a very good foundation that we're very, you know, that that's a key piece is having a good culture and standing by those values and not just like having values just kind of preached in, you know, presentation style meetings, but, you know, really kind of promoting those behaviors that you want to see in your teams. Um, that's something I'm very grateful for that our team does a really good job on. 
Yeah, really, really nice. And, and now talk to me about, because this is often an issue that I've uncovered with CEOs, with owners, with department heads, you know, somewhere in the organization is having all these direct reports to you. It's common. And yes, I did not realize, you, you know, it was funny when you asked me about that. I did not realize how bad it was <laughs> until I actually said it out loud, until I actually listed everything. And as I really tried to update that org chart, I was really, it was like, here's me. And I, and then I had to make everything so small because the next line under me just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And there was less layers, you know, below. And I was like, wow, I just never really thought about that until having to go through so many of these exercises and assessments. And when you, when you told, and I think I, when I told you the real number of how many people actually report to me, you were just like, no, no, that is an awful idea. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, that explains a lot of why I've been feeling so just overwhelmed and, and stressed and, and, you know, also wanting so many things started to rely on me though, because there weren't solid processes in place and we kept getting more and more people. And then they had to keep asking me how they should do something, a new thing, you know? So that that's how it happened. I guess you don't even realize it's happening to you at the time. You just keep adding people and then there's no processes in place. So they need you. So. Yeah. And that goes back to the formula. And because you, you made the comment already, one of the rules is what you don't get done at a previous stage doesn't go away. It's like building a house, right? You can't skip the foundation and the beams and the drywall and before the roof goes on. And so stage three, which you guys cruise through so quickly is delegation and really having the, starting to develop the role of managers that you trust to delegate to. Trust is a big thing. Um, yeah, you and I had a lot of conversations with that. And anyone who goes through this, what I love is like, you know, Terry, you just, you really do help coach the coaches and coach myself. And I know for, for me, we really delve deep into some specific examples of why delegation may have been hard for myself or even for others, because you have this whole past experience, you know, kind of telling you, worrying you, trying to protect you, obviously, trying to protect you and the business. You're like, well, last time I gave so-and-so something similar to this project, look what happened, you know, and I think, I think what you helped me with was really kind of diving into the details of maybe why something worked or what, why something did work. And so I think that there was a, when it comes to, you know, tackling stage three and delegation, which even though we're in stage four, we're still working on delegation <laughs> from stage three. I think that that came up a lot in our, in our growth conference. And it was very organic. What I loved is that no one felt bad leaving that conference. No one felt like they were failing or anything like that. Everyone stayed really open-minded and that everyone was really willing to have those open, honest conversations about what happened maybe during a particular project. And, you know, what could we have done better? What, what did we learn from the, from the past? So, so that was one of my big revelations, I think, going through it, that how, uh, how, how much clarity everyone had on their part and that gave me more trust in them taking on some of these new initiatives moving forward. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing to see how each individual stepped up mm -hmm. with no finger pointing. Yep. Really acknowledging, oh my gosh, look at the path that we've charted, like going through the woods, having to clear the trees all by ourselves. And, and now that unification of, of appreciation and gratitude for what was learned along the way and a sigh of relief that wow we can do it another way that was really hard yes and, and it's not just the olivia show anymore thank god <laughs> thank goodness and you know one more thing with that for anyone who may be apprehensive about 
you know, when you're deciding who needs to go through this with you, your leadership team, there was one, of course, and I, we laughed about it too at the end. There's one provider, he's our lead physician, and I was so nervous and worried about like, he's, he's, is he going to find this valuable? He's probably going to think this is a big waste of time. I just need to be in the clinic seeing patients. Why are we doing this? You know, so if you have people on your teams that you're, they're saying that <laughs> to themselves, I loved what he said at the end where he was like, well, I thought we were going to come here and draw flowers on a tree and, you know, kind of have kumbaya moments. And he was like, and that it wasn't that at all. He was like, this was very useful. And he, the fact that he gave a compliment at the end and said it was useful. I was like, that is a huge win, you know, for me, because he's my most skeptical one when it comes to these types of activities and projects. Yeah. Yeah. And as you transition to stage four, whether you are aware of it or not, the model says it's called professional. Mm. And that was a big conversation. And, and for our viewers who are wondering, you know, why is it not as smooth or, or why are you having bigger bumps in your growth than you would have desired? It's because that transition to stage four is about up-leveling. And some people can make the cut and step up and they have the bandwidth and the aptitude to take on more and perform at a higher level. And sometimes in our organizations, people have helped us get to where we are and we've exceeded, they've exceeded, they can't make that next, that next transitional leap. Oh yeah, that definitely came up. And, and I think I remember kind of having a talk at that second day and we were really praising the team for taking us to where we are today. You know, that there were so many people that just rallied together. And I think that's what we needed, of course, early on. So we, that was very well recognized in the growth conference of just thanking everyone for at times having to be all hands in on deck, you know, on all the projects. And then through this exercise and through, you know, through the assessments, it was very clear that there were some needs for the business and for the organization. If we all agree that this is where we want to go, this is our gap, and this is what we need, it was very clear by the end of it of saying, we need to bring on, you know, perhaps a next level person like what we talked about. It turned out to be just one position that we could see that actually is going to add because we were in that professional level. And I remember telling you, I was like, I want someone, I want someone to teach me a thing or two, like <laughs> to where, you know, everyone's coming to me for questions, but I, we just hit that point in the business where the next person that I do bring on in this leadership group that I'm going to learn something from, that I'm going to say, hey, so how, what was your experience of this when you've done this for another company? You know, we needed people that have been there, done that. Not We had excellent people who are really skillful, but we kept throwing them into th things that we've never done before. That Even me, even I never done this before. <laughs> so, yeah, so we definitely hit that point where we need people who have been there, done that. And that definitely came out very organically, and we all agreed at, during that conference. So. Yeah, and I remember talking with you before we started that to bring on this level and this type of a person, how would other people feel that you're bringing someone above them? Yes, that was a big worry of mine too, because obviously um, at the, in our culture, we, we care, you know, we really do care about everyone's well-being, everyone's growth. And I think what was really good by the end of that is people realizing that, yeah, there's only so far that we can even lead our teams because if our knowledge level and skill level is this and everyone else is just going to be only as high as that. So, so seeing, you know, letting the team organically see that if we do bring on someone who is experienced and has been there down that we're going to get there a lot quicker. This is someone I can learn from. It's not, you know, no one, no one's position was at risk. It truly was something that we, we need this to grow. And there, if we don't do this, you know, it's not a matter of, of do we do it, do we not? If we don't do this and we're not going to meet, we're not going to meet where we want to go. We're not going to get there. You know, we, or we may just maybe very painfully and not, not, not in a, the right amount of time because size-wise we're already there. So. And I want to acknowledge something that you just said so 
easily that you're not intimidated to bring on someone who is more experienced. We could go smarter in some capacities, in some areas that, that, you're, that you're not intimidated by that. Because oftentimes people are, are a little fearful. Sure. Someone on more. Yeah, sure. And I think, I think going back to our values as an organization, and if we truly believe in our mission and vision, we truly do want this organization to grow and be the best it can be. I think that's, that's kind of the key there. And I, and I, I'm very fortunate that that's the culture. So everyone, you know, there's really, we had now, don't get me wrong. We definitely had to get through that. There have been egos in the past and there we, we, that was a, thing that we had to go through. Um, but, you know, through various coaching sessions, thank goodness, um, you know, those things, you, you can get through those things as well. And again, it goes back to having alignment on the value of what's important. And we all want this. We all want to get to the goal or and keep going. So, so those things become necessary. And then those types of worries and egos and learning how to value people still and make them feel valued to where they're not going to feel threatened. I think that's a, that was a big part that came out of this as well. Very, very big part. Also, you know, a key word that came out was accountability. Mm-hmm. Expectations. And they wanted the clarity of the expectations so that the accountability felt natural. Yeah, I remember feeling like I I always feel like I'm like I'm like how how clear can I make it sometimes? <laughs> so, you know, and again, if perspective is everything. Everyone, I know you always you were saying a lot is like that person's experience of whatever is going on, that experience is real, you know, for them. And and I and I remember that also that helped me a lot with my own perspective of any, you know, any comment, question, situation, conflict that often arose that would arise that, you know, that is that person's experience. And I remember just being able to validate those things also brought them, gave value to themselves too. That was another way to show value. Um, and then, yeah, I think I'd never really, uh, fully, you know, until we spent those two days kind of fully been able to connect the dots with that team in a new way. So providing that clarity, I think when we did everyone's revelations at the end of those two days, clarity was one of those like top 10 revelations that was in everyone's, (laughs) everyone's bucket. So that was so, it felt so good. I I was really glad that everyone got that. So I made a note here of what you all thought, what you all assess yourself as your key strengths and your key challenges and the strengths are beautiful so let's all, let's start with those <laughs> customers are referring that your customers love you and you're able to grow your business in a, an organic way that that way without having to spend a lot of money because your service speaks for itself that, that you have a strong marketplace differentiation that you have clear values yes and the behaviors that go along with it. The staff had satisfaction and you were expanding your your services. Obviously, you're opening a third clinic. Then we get to the challenges. That's sometimes tough to take. The first one was need for an improved business or profit design. So how did you take that? Because that kind of falls right here. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I think because of those other strengths, you know, the, and I I remember when we went through this in the exercise, um, the profit and the market was there. And, but the thing is, is that we were so, we had been so bogged down in people issues, the the delegation, the processes that we never truly maximized and focused on, you know, our business design, our profit design. Profit, you know, we were kind of, especially in the healthcare field, we're like, oh, I don't know, profit, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, especially for our medical providers who just want to be healers, like they're like, we're not in it for, you know, the money and thing. And I know that everyone has different experiences or opinions on that, but at least for my team, that was not the big focus for the providers. Um, and then so we kind of had, I remember having that, it's a fine balance of making sure that you have 
passion and profit, you know, mar margin and emission. Otherwise, if you don't have one side, you can't have the other. Um, and so I think I remember asking my team even questions like, does anyone know, like, what is our, you know, highest reimbursed service? What is our most profitable thing that we do? And we've never really kind of taken a deep dive into that. And I, and I think that was, you know, again, just being that fast growth, distracted, we can make a million of different excuses. Well, it's all written actually in the growth curve of what, of what we didn't pay attention to. Um, but yeah, it was, I was not surprised by it because I knew that, you know, it just had not been a focus. Yeah, and, and I think that a, an obstacle that you were dealing with, we could call it a hidden agent, those things that exist that nobody wants to talk about, is that you're a nonprofit. Yes. So there's a conflict right there. Yep. Even nonprofits need to be profitable. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, um, you know, our mission and vision, it really is to serve the community. We serve the underserved, the underinsured. We remove all barriers in terms of socioeconomic health disparities, financial barriers. We find ways, um, which is beautiful. And I love that our whole staff embodies that with patients. And then it's like, and <laughs> in order for us to continue doing that, we need cash flow to do it. We need, you know, to we need to pay attention to to have a, you know, a good system, um, you know, making sure we're measuring things right. We need stronger financial analysis um, and we need to be able to have that information to then drive those clinical services. You know, for us to do more for our community, we need a strong, you know, strong, long lasting business. So. So finding that balance as a nonprofit, um, you know, I think that's a huge piece that came out of this. Yeah. And, and it's not just for, for, for you, for a nonprofit, it's for all businesses, right? especially with the different generations. And we talked, Brad and I talked a little bit about this last month, is that everyone, they want to know that they matter. They want to know they're making a difference and they want to know how I'm going to say that they impact the bottom line, how they impact the health of their company, their organization. And that's up to the leaders, the managers, the department heads to educate mm -hmm. how, how they can connect the dots of what they show up to do every day, how they show up to do it. It makes a tremendous difference. Like we can go back to your front desk and, and how they either make it easier or make it more difficult. Right. I think through all the departments, getting everyone together, there was that, eh, you know, because there's so much we can assume that if we show this metric, if we show this number, that they're going to, you can't assume that they know how their day-to-day -day process impacts that number. So I remember, you know, just taking a look at just front desk or just the clinical staff, and we, we were talking to the finance and the, the data people of like, imagine if we had, you know, this, you have this number that is a pain for you. We need to connect that exactly to this is why this step is important. So when you miss that step, maybe in the check-in process, or you miss that opportunity over the phone, that impacts this number. So that, that was the disconnection in so many things. And we had so many aha moments and like, oh, so yeah, I just don't think you just take that for granted. That was definitely a big hidden agent for sure. Yeah. And it's common. It's, I, will, I just want to pause and acknowledge how willing you are and, and to go vulnerable and say this, you know, we weren't doing it the best of our abilities and we had the best of intention. Yeah. And I think it's true for, for all organizations as we navigate growth. So thank you for, for being here and sharing your experience. Of course. Thank you for having me. And uh, just thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> um, I, I know we would not have gotten to where we are, you know, now after the conference, I just don't think we would have been able to get this clarity and have uh, the, the initiatives that we had. Um, that, that was, that was huge. And I was very surprised at who stepped up and <laughs> everything's been going great. And we, we all now actually can't wait till we follow up with you again to give you kind of an update on everything. Um, it's just nice to have the whole team really excited, you know, <laughs> about, about what they're in charge of and what they're doing, you know, just giving them these projects and these pieces and them having so much clarity on what they need to do and what milestones need to be accomplished in a good time frame. It was, 
it's huge. It's huge. A huge weight also has been lifted off my shoulders and I delegated for the first time without too much anxiety. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love, so what did, so what did you choose to delegate? Wow. Um, there is, there is, I know, the list is long. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, before the leader of all those initiatives that we ended up coming with at the end would have been me. Um, and I, I think you just gave me such a good template to now that I have little, I have a one point person for one initiative and they have a team and then we're creating, you know, just this nice flow of communication, this flow of reports. Um, it's, it's been huge. Um, so the, the whole provide, I mean, tr training staff, you know, uh, provider training, provider meetings. I used to run the provider meetings and, and I would have to come up with the agenda, the slide set that I would talk to everybody, gather all the information together, that whole thing. And we did that monthly, that whole thing has been, you know, offloaded now to the leaders have stepped up into that Mandy and Dr. Wynn. So that, that was huge. Um, Goodness, there were so many different things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, let's pause there. That's yeah. huge. I'm going to say that transcends delegation. That's empowerment. Yes. That's demonstrating trust in your next level leaders that will they get it exactly how you would have done it? No. It, and, and I hear you saying that you're empowering them to do it their way. Mm -hmm. So that you're going after the result because you put a process into place. Right. We put processes, milestones. I still check now, instead of checking in with all the providers, I can just check in with the two of them who are leading that initiative. So I've just had like little one-on-ones just to check in. And I just kind of ask, you know, what the status is. And I always ask them too at the end, is there anything that I need to, is that, that I need to do to help pave the way for you? You know, is there anything I could release? Do you have all the resources? Do you have enough time to be successful? Um, and so they've been, everything's been going great <laughs> so far. Wow, that's so nice. So talk a little bit more about the one-on-ones because I know that's part of your, your culture and yes. you stepped it up so that you're not the only one doing one-on-ones. Right. It was me doing all, I mean, as a CEO, I was doing a one-on-one -on -one with the front desk staff member, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yes, I know. Uh, so we've, we've arranged that and I, it made it so much more manageable because yes, I was doing one-on-ones with now we, you know, are about to hit 40 people in the organization. I would be doing nothing else but one-on-ones if we did that. So, so now I do one-on-ones with my team and I'm doing a better job at when they're presenting um, projects or issues. Um, and this was from Terry. I, I, I am a pro I love problem solving. I will go into problem solving mode immediately as soon as you bring up anything. And I'm already telling you what my ideas would be. So I pause now. <laughs> I pause and I want to hear them first. I want to hear them what they would do first. And then I give guidance <laughs> and you'll be very surprised, you know, and, and I'll just ask questions. You know, I they pose a question to me and I ask more questions back and to see where their head's at with something. That is a big step for me because I am a doer and I just want to do it all <laughs> myself. And that that obviously put me to that extreme high stress level that I was before. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's how our one-on-ones have been going. I, I, they, are, they report some things. I ask them questions about it versus telling them what I would do. Uh, you know, that has taken a growth point for me because that's not in my nature. <laughs> so, um, but I think that that's how they have become stronger. And, and I think I'm, I'm still able to mentor just in a very, it's truly in a coaching fashion versus in a, this is what I would do. And they always love what I would do. <laughs> like, that's great, but it's not helping me. You were making it easier for them. You were, yeah. so if it works, thank you, Olivia. If it doesn't work, well, that's your issue, Olivia. Yep. So there, there wasn't that accountability. And yeah. yes, the accountability and autonomy, I think was, was really huge. Um, so, yeah. And I think, and I think we just had, um, I just had an amazing, I've seen an amazing change in one of my staff members in particular. So she was the clinic manager. She was doing a little bit of everything too. Um, however, for some reason, uh, after this growth conference and after hearing 
that we were in professional level, I've seen a new level of performance in her. I think when we were talking about managers that have been there, done that, and how we needed professional styles of reporting, um, she has started reporting to me even things in a very professional, like agenda format with notes and, and just, you know, giving those to me for review. And so that has cut down now a lot of my research, a lot of my investigation on problems. So just from the style of communication I've been getting now from my team, they're all stepping up because they're like, oh, we want to be professional. We're in professional stage. (laughs) So not that they weren't before, but I've seen a new level for sure in them. So beautiful. And I'm going to go back to the model because one of the hidden agents, the things that go on that we're often not aware of is the face of the leader. And for stage four, Olivia's role is to be 70% in managing and growing people and coaching, not as a doer. 20% is a specialist in the business. 10% is a visionary. Those are the three faces, visionary, manager, and then specialist. And I hear you saying that, Olivia, that you are truly transitioning to that 70% of the role that is yours to play at this stage. Yes, yes. And it definitely is not easy, uh, especially for someone who, you know, was was a specialist and likes that specialist role and thinks it's faster if I just do it myself. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. But I I do feel like this is, it's the only way. It really was the way to go. When you kind of, when you broke that down for me, it's, it's, it was huge. And I can honestly say that it is, it's better. It's way better than what I was doing before. Yeah. Okay. So here's the, the seminal question. Are you taking lunches? <laughs> uh, yes, now. <laughs> and, 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 she, and Terry knows it was very difficult for me to even schedule this, but that was one of my tasks too, as I had to take a lunch break um, and actually schedule that in. But I couldn't even write the word break on my calendar. I just don't know this. It's, it's a mental, it's a personal journey that I'm taking to, um, to actually take a lunch break. Right now, it's just marked as this is my assignment to do this task and the assignment is to eat lunch but I am doing it so <laughs> so yeah it's baby steps I'm doing it and I'll call it maybe a true lunch break one day <laughs> that's, that's all that matters because what we know is true is that all of your team members are watching you and yeah, no matter if you say I want you to have balance I want you to take lunch and if you don't they're thinking huh She's just saying that because that's not what she does. Same thing with kids. I know you, your, your kids watch you all the time. It's oh, like, yeah. what are they doing? Because I'm going to do what they do no matter what they say. Yes, yeah. So you definitely want to model what, what you preach, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, that's, that's one of my things. You know, I think we, we do promote a healthy drive in the company. And uh, so, and so I've, I've, I've let my team know that that assignment is really my assignment to take lunch. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so just, I was like, it's just my own personal mental thing on my calendar uh, that I just, I'm dealing with. But yeah, definitely modeling that, you know, rest, relax, and, you know, work hard and play hard. I think that's, that's a huge part of our company. So I had to also model that as well. You know, it's not, it's not healthy to, <laughs> to just, you know, overkill. So. And it's not just you. I, and thank you for, for sharing that personal journey you're on too, of having <laughs> that balance and that self-care because coming off of last year, self-care means something different to each person. And we're the only ones who can do that for us. For that mental health. Right. And that's why I wasn't surprised when you had me do that one assessment that says my my inner voice of the saboteur was the restless voice. That is 100% me. Like when I was reading all of those different attributes from that assessment, I was like, uh, yep, 100%. I have to maximize every minute of every day. It's, you know, no, no wasted moment. Um, and, you know, some like you were telling me, I remember you were saying like, these are kind of like your greatest strengths gone bad, <laughs> your greatest strengths gone overboard. Okay. And I was feeling that for sure. So bringing that to my awareness um, really kind of helped solidify what I really needed to do and pay attention to of taking those greatest strengths and going too far. Yeah. Yeah. And it is common. And I would say there's, there's folks on, you know, watching, listening to us that 
I would throw in a little hyperachiever. Yes. You I know, think I had, that was my second, I think. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just make it happen. Make it happen. Drive, drive, drive. And, and in this model it talks about leader, you know, leadership, Goldman's um, emotional intelligence, six leadership styles and pace setting is not, is really not a drive that is sustainable, even though some of us like that pace setting, go, 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 do, 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 make her happen. It, it burns out the team. Yeah. And, and some of your folks were on that verge of, of feeling a little overwhelmed too often. Oh yeah. I think that was one, one, one person I remember in particular, one of my pharmacists who also works on the clinical side. Um, she, she presented very burnt out at that meeting and she opened up about that and that, that was, I was really glad she did because yeah, she doesn't say no to my requests or my projects. And so my having awareness of my, my speed, it really is, you know, just, not everyone is working at that speed efficient at the best you know capacity yeah and nor do we want them to right we yeah. don't we we need people in our organizations who are the steady get the work done feel connected feel aligned are passionate about their role and and want to step up you know and i really like the the conversation of everybody steps up just one percent and just another 1% and just another 1%. And wow, the whole organization is up leveled astronomically because of the compounding interest effect. You know, it's compounding the effectiveness. And it sounds to me that's what's going on for you right now. They're all stepping up. Yes. And I think when it came to those leadership stocks, as you mentioned, pace setting, um, something else, the growth formula, what I really got out of it, too, is seeing, depending on what stage you are, uh, remember that your leadership style is there's there's a there's like your top three that you really need in those different stages that helped me a lot because I felt like I, I feel very flexible and different faces that I can put on for different situations. And with the growth formula, it was really clear about, okay, you need to be X percent this type of leader because you're in this phase, X percent this type of leader because you're in this phase. Um, so that helped me tremendously because I, you know, was, I was kind of almost treating it per person that I would put on different phases. But I think I'm remembering having to recenter myself and remembering, okay, overall though, for the organization, this is the lead characteristic that's needed for this particular stage. That was very helpful for me. Yeah. What a nice wrap-up comment about this being a crystal ball, a roadmap, and a flashlight, and that you are using all three on a daily basis, that you're, you're in it. You read the books. You read the, the information. You, you're in an immersion of making your life, your job easier and balancing and and the organization is thriving because you're stepping up into your role and it's olivia you're just an inspiration to me to so many and we're blessed that you were willing to come on and go vulnerable with us and share what's really going on no oh, thank you thank you yes I, this have you settled for a limited amazing. bundled in pos no because you aren't sure what's it. compatible with your pharmacy management system at rms we've developed a revolutionary integration and, program. and, and our state-of-the-art pos solutions integrate crazy, with over 30 pharmacy management systems unlock the door to powerful cutting-edge point-of-sale functionality no matter which pharmacy management system you want to use at rms the choice is always yours definitely do that Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is one of my first memories of you when we went through it. It's like, oh my gosh, that's what was going on. Oh my gosh, yeah. it was like the light bulbs are going off. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. You actually said, we're not crazy. We're not crazy. I, I was like, wow. And I was like, and I'm just in chapter one. <laughs>
transfer over beautifully, no matter what the stage of an organization, because it's the entrepreneurial growth path. Okay. Well, welcome back. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Uh, thank you so much. That was terrific. Uh, Terry, (laughs) as always, wonderful. Um, before I'm going to ask a couple of questions, I I've got a list I've been writing and writing and writing. And I think my staff's going to be really sad when I start delegating all of these things that I've written down. Um, but, uh, before we get to the questions, um, I want to, uh, talk about the climate center award. The climate center award is something that we give every month, um, to a pharmacy or a person who exemplifies the tenets of CLIMB, care, lead, innovate, motivate, and balance. And the award winner uh, gets a, a really nice plaque um, and we put them on our website and you know we do all these wonderful things. We also give a $250 donation to the local school of the person's choice on their behalf because we really believe in education. Um, and normally we play a video well, this is the first time ever that we've had the Climate Center on with us um, live. And uh, so, <laughs> Olivia, when I read uh, your bio, when I read the nomination about you and the things that you're doing, I realized how much you epitomize the tenants of climate. Um, and then listening to you talk today just really reinforced everything that I've read. Um, your leadership and innovation, and creating an organization really that is caring for underserved uh, patients is a really a, it's a truly motivating story. And it's a real privilege and honor for me to uh, announce you as the July Climate Center Award winner. So congratulations. Oh, wow. This was a big surprise. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so nice that they're doing that. Wow, thank you so much. That is such an honor. Well, I, thank I, you for I, everything you're doing. It's, it's wow. really terrific and a great story. So. Thank you. Appreciate you you being here today. Yes. Thank you guys so much. So um, I wish I had another hour because I would be asking lots of questions uh, and filling up more time. I wish I was on there with you too. I could have just asked all day long, but, but there were a number of things that struck me and we're not going to get to all of them. um, But um, I thought one of the things that I'd like to just, just to bring up again was early on, we're talking about giving people the opportunity to step up. Um, and, and they will, right? I mean, that's typically now, but if they don't, that tells us we ha- we need somebody else. Right. Right. So I'm assuming you probably, did you have any, did you have any of those situations where somebody didn't step up and you had to, because that's typical, right? Absolutely. I would say, you know, when it when you refocus on the mission and the values and what the needs are, and then you can come back to if if that if that individual, you know, I guess you come back to are are they are they capable? You know, are they capable of filling those needs and and asking them, you know, about about those things. And I think also when they see when they see themselves often, if they don't have those abilities or they don't have that experience in order to do that, I, I think that that was very helpful to see. I'll just give one one example. We had a, um, a biller and um, she was uh, she was the one who'd been there the longest um, and she wanted to be a, a manager. And so uh, what what ended up coming out of this, and we were really, truly realized that um, I don't think she really fully understood what a manager really is and what a manager needs to be. So in the book, I remember the, the it's in the very first few pages and it had a few set of questions. And as we rattled those off, you know, does, is this someone who truly wants to invest in the growth of others? Is this truly someone, you know, had, had like four or five questions. And as we really went through those, um, you know, even she herself was like, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> so that was very interesting. She's like, I don't think I want to do that. And then we also realized that there were people that we had already given titles to who weren't doing those things either. That's a tough. That was really tough. Um, and so we're at, we're kind of working on bringing up those things in a one-on-one as well with those individuals because we have now the map of what truly what does a manager do if you have a title if you if you lead people in any kind of way these are the expectations <clears throat> and it's not 
it's not just people who are, because what are the three types? There's like the visionary, the, the managers, and the specialist. And, and we had a lot of great specialists. And what we were doing is we were taking those specialists and putting them in leadership roles. But they, <laughs> they were good at their job, and we were throwing them into leadership. But they'd never done, they've never managed people. They weren't really investing in others' growth. And, and so I think when we stated those needs, you know, I think there was a lot of people who, who can see that they're not the right people to step up in those ways. And, and I think Terry does a great job of helping you handle those conversations when you need to have those critical conversations. You know, and that's building on that too. The, the, uh, we had a situation here. I think this really tells you the, the importance of a proper job description of, yeah. of really defining what this role is, not only for the people you're hiring, but for you as the, as the management of going, we really, what is it we're looking for? And, and, and I'll give you, we, we lost a couple of really good people by putting them into positions that we didn't properly define. Mm -hmm. And they got into the role and said, this isn't what I expected. Um, this isn't what I want to do. And, uh, and, and it was a really unfortunate situation. We've since fixed that, but it, it really showed me at the time when we made this mistake, and it was recent, it was a couple of years ago, uh, that uh, it's so important uh, to, to properly define you know, that entire description and be very, very specific. Yeah, no, and, and on top of that too. So we, we, we would start doing like really great detailed job descriptions. And then another key piece after that, we found out later that we were missing is proper onboarding and the time for onboarding that person appropriately. You know, here's your job description. So you have all the pieces, there you go. And then it was, you know, and then it's just, you expect that person to be a manager the next day. And so I realized that I was not doing a great job at truly onboarding the person the right way from the mindset of how we solve problems that come up in those departments. You know, we just expect them to solve, but um, just showing them kind of how we problem solve, how we troubleshoot things. I realized that that was a missing key in our onboarding process for these new positions. And yet to your point too, we, we've done the similar things and unfortunately end up losing. Now you've lost a, a skilled employee and you have, you know, an unfulfilled position as a manager. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And that's a double whammy, right? I mean, it, it really hurts. And boy, I think I would imagine that everybody that's listening can relate to this. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I, we're, we're really running out of time. We want to be mindful of everybody's time here. But I think I, I want to make a comment about being an entrepreneur because I started this business 22 years ago. Um, and what is, our, what is our nature as an entrepreneur? Our nature is to hold on too much to, and to be in charge of everything. And I know there are lots of you out there listening to this right now and and that's what you're doing. So, um, and I, it was really great to hear, Olivia, your comments about how great it felt once you started letting go of those things. Um, yeah, I didn't think it would. <laughs> I was skeptical. But this, the way, the way they go through this the assessments, the two days, the uncovering this, just the layers of detail of really problem solving and those root causes. I, I felt more confident than I ever have in my past of like truly handling something awesome. And I thought I did a great job at communicating clarity, but not as good as this. <laughs> well, and, and, and when you let go and you start giving the people that you trust or the people that are that are part of your organization it develops that trust you talked about that right. um they will surprise you and then you can be that visionary which is what your job is and if you want to grow your business that's what you have to do as a pharmacy owner uh if you want to grow that business you've got to start being a visionary on all the clinical services you could be doing and do all of these things that you need to do to be profitable and to improve patient outcomes and, and to drive those referrals, right? I mean, that is really what it's about in the end is getting referrals and getting in, in improving, improving uh, business, your, your bottom line. 
because you, you know, and you're absolutely right. A nonprofit has to be profitable, right? To continue to be able to do the cool things that you're doing. Um, we're talking mostly to profit organizations here. We're hundred percent really retail pharmacy, outpatient pharmacy, they have to be profitable and they need to be improving those profits. So, Okay, uh, any la we're over, so any last wrap-up comments from either of you? Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was great sharing, and I just hope it helps somebody. Well, if it didn't help anybody, it helped me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I, yeah. I know it had to have helped others. I hope you're <laughs> listening. Uh, share this with share this with your colleagues. Share this with your friends. You know, there, I, sh this is great stuff, and there's so many great questions that I could have continued on with. Uh, so um, would love to have you back in the future, Olivia. So, you know, the, the, we'll, we'll welcome you back with open arms. Oh, um, and that really, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for today. Thank you all very much for attending. We really appreciate it. Uh, as I said, please share the event, share the video, share the podcast that we're doing now on, on the, the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, this is about us sharing and helping each other become more profitable, more customer-centric, helping our patients, helping our communities. That's what CLIMB's about. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.